Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the new title for the podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. Women Worth Knowing is not affiliated, associated, authorized, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with the website Women You Should Know. Hello and welcome to another podcast. Yay. Jasmine, can you believe it? I think this is number six. Already? Yes. Whoa, okay. Yes. And boy, <laughs> we have so many more to go because we just keep oh, yeah. thinking of these awesome women that God has raised up and empowered and used mm-hmm. uh, for the gospel um, in all sorts of different ways. Last time we talked about Lilius Trotter. Yeah. She's definitely one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. So Jasmine Allnut, Cheryl Broderson here mm-hmm. on Women You Should Know. So, Jasmine, mm-hmm. I've got a new woman today. Do it. Yes. Who is it? It's Patricia St. John. Mm. And you know what's interesting is last week you were talking about Lilius Trotter. Yes. And I was first introduced to Lilius Trotter through Patricia St. John. Ooh. Yes. Patricia. This is a good connection. Yes. She wrote the book Until the Day Breaks. Mm. And I read that and was like, oh, I love this. You know, and that <laughs> got me wanting to know more about Lilius Trotter. Mm. But then I went to know more about Patricia St. John. Yeah. And when I went to read her book, which is called Patricia St. John Tells Her Story, it's an autobiography. When I was reading it, I realized I've known her for a long time, even though I don't know her. She's English. But I knew her in that when I was a child, I had read Treasures in the Snow. Yes, me too. Uh, yes. Tanglewood. Is it The Secret of Tanglewood? We'll get to that in a little bit. But She'd written all these children's books mm-hmm. that I grew up with in Sunday school. When I was a kid, there weren't that many Christian books out there, mm. you know, for kids that would inspire you. Right, right, right. And she'd written all these Christian books. And my mother was bound and determined to make me a reader. So she <laughs> it worked. Would, it did. <laughs> she would buy me and get me all these books. Many of them were by Patricia St. John. Plus, they made a movie of Treasures in the Snow. And I remember watching oh. that in Sunday school forgot about that. It's about those Swiss children, yes. those children in oh, Switzerland. Oh, and that's such a great—I read that when I was a kid, too. I had no idea about anything else in her life, so— and, yeah. and, and they learned forgiveness. So when I heard about Patricia St. John, I thought she was just an authoress. Right. You know, she just writes really good children's books, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and she wrote some biographies. But then I saw this book, and guess what? I got it in a thrift store in yes. England, a charity shop, as charity they call shop. it in England. <laughs> I saw it, Patricia St. John, and I was—could that be— could that be the same one? I think I paid 20 pence for it. And I bought it. Wow. And from the first page on, I couldn't put it down. Mm. It was it was so, so good. She's such a great writer. Yes, she is. But um, she was born in 1919 in, get this, Crangola, Brazil. Crangola? Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> something like that. So No, sorry. <laughs> you probably know how to pronounce it, but well, it is knows? Portuguese. I don't it know. would have a Portuguese, right? <laughs> her parents were both serving there as missionaries. So her father had been saved at 19 and he felt God's call in his life. After the death of his father, he was forced to quit college. Hmm. So he became a banker and he excelled. His story, Harold St. John, mm-hmm. um, she also wrote that story, that that biography. She had a neat family. Oh. I do remember that. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Her biography <laughs> on her father is is so great. I mean, oh. it's just filled with stories, and you just fall in love with this man. But he's taught Sunday school at his church, and one of his students was a young girl named Ella Swain. Mm-hmm. And he first met Ella Swain when she was three <laughs> years old, and he was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. He had okay. to save her. 
Yeah. <laughs> but Ella grew up in the church with Christian parents, but she was not that interested in the Bible or God, although she was raised in this great Christian home. She believed, but she was disinterested, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. no passion. Churchy. However, as she was attending Harold St. John's Bible classes, and he was teaching on the kings, hmm. uh, not only the book of kings, but on the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. Hmm. And when he was teaching, he would bring in the prophets and the minor prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets wow. and what they had to say. And the class was so enthralling that she developed this hunger for the word of God. And she Mm. wanted to know more and more and started studying on her own. And just this passion welled up in her. And Mm. she ended up giving her life just fully to Jesus because Mm. of these classes. And Kings and Chronicles. Yeah, so (laughs) I know. She was 16 years old. So, you know, she knows Mm. Harold. Harold knows who she is. Harold, in the meantime, is getting this burden to go on the mission field. Mm. So he's not even sure if marriage is in his future. Mm. She goes on to college. She gets her degree. She's so brilliant that they want her to stay at the college and become a professor, a lecturer at the college. It was an all-girls college, and it was Mm. such an opportunity. But she went back to London to pray about it and to seek the Lord, and she ran into Harold. And Harold told her about his desire to go to the mission field, and something in her just peaked. And they started (laughs) to see each other, but they they hadn't even had a courtship. But they're walking across the street, busy street in London. And he turned to her and he said, "Uh, would you consider marrying me? Oh, my gosh. And without a moment's hesitation, she said, yes, I would. (laughs) And the reason is because he was the most godly man she'd ever Mm. met. And she had just admired him since she was a young girl Mm. and since she had developed that passion for the Lord. So she then started studying nursing. And he was studying, besides banking, homeopathic medicine. Mm. Uh, They continued just to court and train. And then they were married in 1914. And they went almost immediately to the mission field. And, of course, then it was by boat, right? Yeah. yeah. So the first place they were was in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And the first place they stayed was a one-room, like, bungalow. And you couldn't even see the walls because of the black beetles. Just swarms of black beetles on all the walls. In fact, they had to put the post of their beds in bowls of kerosene so the black beetles wouldn't climb on them during the night. So it was oh wow, it was quite an adventure. (laughs) You know, when we talk about these missionaries who served the Lord back in, you know, the early nineteen hundreds or eighteen hundreds. Nobody understands the hardships that they were dealing with. I oh. mean, there were no flushing toilets. There were no running water. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they were serving under really adverse circumstances. Yeah. So they served together in, in Brazil. After Argentina, they went to Brazil. And there they had two of their children, mm-hmm. their oldest daughter, Hazel, and then their son, Farnham. Yeah, That's his Farnham. name. Isn't oh, that such an English guys. name, Farnham? Very. Ella became pregnant with their third child, and she and Harold realized that he was not free to be a missionary or to really serve the Lord with Mm. the burden of children. And she felt that she could raise the children better in England. So they made the pact that Mm. she would go back to England and raise their children and support him on the mission field, and that they felt that they needed to put the ministry first, the ministry that God Mm. had given them. Oh, sorry. No, that sounds a little bit like the Livingstons, except it turned out better. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> so they decided to head back. He would accompany her back to London. 
And the day before they're leaving for London, so she still has another month to go in her pregnancy, or at least weeks to go in her pregnancy. They're in Crangula, uh, mm-hmm. Brazil, <laughs> and he's he's taking the pram, the stroller. He's mm. he's walking mm. the stroller, and he goes down a hillside, and it's too much for him. So he's running behind the stroller, (laughs) trying to keep up with the stroller and not let go. And the next thing you know, the stroller is dragging him along with with Hazel and Farnham. Oh, my gosh. And as she's watching this, as Ella's watching this, she goes into labor early. And that's (laughs) that's why Patricia is born in Brazil. Oh, my goodness. That's so so funny. after this, you know, they take a furlough. And she settles, they settle in Malvern, and they move in with her great-grandmother and Ella, the Swains, with mm-hmm. uh, the great-grandmother Swain, Patricia's grandmother and grandfather, mm. in this house. So there's these three generations that yeah. are all living in this house. And Harold stays for a little bit longer, long enough to have two more boys. Okay. <laughs> so there are five children in this family, and then he returns to serve the Lord in Brazil. And he was amazing because he would send a letter every week because he wanted all of his children to feel a part of the yeah, ministry that yeah. was going on. And he would include a special little message to each one of his children in every letter. And that was one of the highlights of their weeks was to mm. l- to listen to the letter from their dad. Mm-hmm. And their mother always made it feel like a privilege that they— they had a father that was directly serving Jesus and having these adventures. Mm-hmm. And for them, it was a privilege. They didn't resent the fact at all. And I do, I love that about their family. Just that, yeah, it was, like you said, there was no resentment. It was a, it was a joy. Like, look what we get to do for Jesus. I think you even, when you were talking about Jenny Mitchell, how she made everything yes. fun. Yes. Like making serving God a, a, a pleasure because it is, it is a joy. And so, not and, to be like, oh, dad's gone and, right. blah, you know, it's just. And they said that was really due to their mother, Ella. Mm-hmm. And she would she have the unique. children all yeah. pray every every day, every night for, for their father. Mm-hmm. They would go on these nature walks all the time because their mother just absolutely loved beauty. Mm-hmm. But when she would see a flower, she'd say, look what God created. Mm-hmm. Let's look at this. And they would study it in depth, like mm-hmm. the, the pistons and the petals yeah. and the, the stem and the leaves. And so. They all just love these nature walks. But their favorite day of the week was Sundays because their mother made Sunday so exciting. Now, this is what's really interesting. When Ella moved to Malvern with her five children, the people in this little village were very upset. They just thought it was terrible that she was like a single mother raising five children without Mm -hmm. their husband. They saw three boys and two girls and they thought, oh, no, wildness has come into our little (laughs) village. Worse yet, they went to a Brethren Church. Now, Brethren Church did not have Sunday school. And the church itself had these wooden pews that you sat on, hard wooden benches. And the walls were all a dark brown, and the church was very dark. And it was there that you would just listen to the pastor preach. There was no musical instrument. So there was hymns oh, yeah. that were sung, and then there was— Like a cappella. Right. Okay. And then there was the presentation. Wow. And so the people in the village just said, oh, no, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen? But surprisingly enough, the children were all so well-behaved. All the St. John children were so well-behaved. They sat there so attentively, and they had no idea what was going on. The only other children in that church was a family with four perfectly behaved daughters. So they were saying, what's going on with the St. John's? But they didn't know that Ella St. John had a secret. 
Mm. that she would take notes and have secret questions for the children. And whoever listened, they would be quizzed at lunch. And it was the best lunch with puddings and great desserts only on Sunday and a great feast on Sunday. But there would be a quiz. Mm. And whoever got the answers right would get a sweet. So all the children sat there listening so attentively because they wanted the sweets and there would be a contest when they got home. Not only that, but she would bake her biscuits, get this, in the shape of letters. And when the children got home, they had to put together one of the scriptures from the biscuit letters. Oh, my goodness. And so they would be all arranging the biscuits in a word or a text from that morning's Bible study that they heard on Sunday. Wow, now, mom of the year. Jeez. I do. Well, not only that, but Patricia's great-grandma lived in this house. Mm-hmm. And she was a little bit, she loved the Lord. And she was convinced that Jesus would come at any moment. And she lived her life to please Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the Lord could come at any moment. But she could get a little severe at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, all five children move into her house. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. But Patricia St. John just won her over. She would climb in bed with her great-grandma every morning and they would share tea together and the grandma had this big old hymnal huge hymnal it was a big black hymnal and she would open it up and patricia could choose any hymn and her grandmother would explain the lyrics to her and even sing it to her and that's how she learned most of the hymns and she loved her grandma time the youngest john when he Mm -hmm. was born he was moved into grandma's room and one day he was caught jumping up and down in the cot in grandma's room and this is what he's saying as always abounding in the work of the lord oh my gosh of course probably with a slight english accent i always so abounding in the cuter. work of the lord and that was in in malvern and so this small village fell in love with all the saint john children now every time their father would come home on furlough there was a great celebration He brought gifts back from South America and thrilled the children. They would sit around the fire and he would tell them stories about what the Mm. Lord was doing. Mm -hmm. And he made sure to have time to pray alone with each one of his children, talk to them and interact with them, find out what was going on and how they were doing. Well, one time when Ella was at church, she heard a message about what can you give to Jesus? And all these people were giving jewelry and Mm -hmm. money to Jesus. It was just this time where God had put it on the hearts of everyone to give to the Lord. And she thought, I don't have any wealth. I don't Mm -hmm. have any jewelry. What can I give? And the pastor said, you should give the thing you love most. And she said, Lord, the thing I love most is my children. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, she dedicated all of her children to the work of the Lord. Every single one of them. So um, what you see is the children grew up. Mm-hmm. And the oldest brother, Farnham, he mm-hmm. began to study medicine. Hazel got her degree in um, teaching, mm-hmm. literature, and all that. And she could speak, uh, what was it, French and Spanish. You know, all the children learned other languages. And Patricia St. John um, decided to take her degree in nursing. Mm-hmm. Well, no sooner had Patricia graduated than guess what happened in England? Mm-hmm. World War II. World War II, yeah. yeah. World War II. So during the Blitz, she worked at a hospital. And in the Mm -hmm. book, the book is filled with stories, just miracle stories. I remember that. About what God did during the Blitz. And 
She worked alongside her brother at Times Farnham, who mm-hmm. was a doctor who was serving in these hospitals mm-hmm. and helping the people because there were over 50,000 people lost their lives during the Blitz yeah. because of the German bombs. So she began to work really hard in these these hospitals, but mm-hmm. so hard that uh, she kept getting septic poisoning in her feet and she'd have to take time off. So one day, the woman who is in charge of all the nurses comes to her and says, you know, I don't know if it's going to work out with you because you keep getting sick and mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. you're not putting in enough. And Patricia St. John said she just didn't know what to do. You know, was this the end of her career? Now, before she had been a nurse serving in World War II, I forgot, she worked at her aunt's all-girls school. And she taught some of the young girls. She taught some classes. And she also was a house mom or, you know, yeah, she like over a, a dean kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. Oversaw these girls and ministered to them, kind of like you did at yeah, the Bible Yeah, college. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> dean women. And so she at that time, she had written her first book, which was Tanglewood Secrets. Mm-hmm. And she had written that book. She had, It had been published. All these people were saying, oh, that ministered to me. She was getting letters. And so she was thinking, Lord, am I maybe just called to write and maybe Mm -hmm. I should go back to teaching and maybe nursing isn't for me. But as she was walking home from the hospital after this stern rebuke, she saw a sign someplace and it said, it was by Jesus, and it said, do you believe that I can do this? Mm. And she looked at that and she said, Lord, I believe, Mm. I believe. And from that moment on, the infection stopped and she was completely healed. So cool. And she was able to give a hundred percent in her nursing and she excelled. Mm. Now, this is a this is a fun fact. Oh yeah. During this time, she remembers the day that Churchill announced the end of the war. Right. And everyone was so excited that they all left the hospital and began marching through the streets. And everybody who was still alive in London who could was marching through the mm. streets. And all of a sudden she saw Churchill. On oh, wow. top of his car, sitting cross-legged, waving to everybody, and you know, with these victory flags. Oh my gosh! And so she began to run next to the car, <laughs> and she reached up and she was able to touch the hem, hem of his garment, the hem yes. of his trousers, <laughs> and you know that was one of her favorite experiences. I love it. So after World War II, Farnham applied to a mission board. Mm-hmm. He had always wanted to be a missionary in Tangiers. Mm-hmm. God had put this burden on his heart for Morocco, again, Northern Speaking Africa, North Africa yeah. mm-hmm. and especially for Tangiers. So when he applied to the missionary board, they said, where would you like to serve? And when he said Tangiers, they all looked at each other and they went into another room and they came back and they said, it's yours. And they wow. sent him to Tangiers. He went there in 1945. Mm-hmm. And by 1949, he was in charge of a hospital in Tangiers. But he found that the nurses were really inadequate and they didn't have the skills like his sister. So he asked Patricia if she would come down to Tangiers and train some nurses and work with him in the hospital. She went there and she was enjoying it um, so much. But there was only one problem. She forgot to apply to the mission board. And the mission board was like, who is this woman? You're not under our jurisdiction. (laughs) And so... They ended up allowing her to do this, but she never, ever was under a mission board. Hmm. In fact, the mission board was a little concerned about her because she did start a ministry somewhat like Lilius Trotter, Mm. where she began to feed the boys that were beggars. Mm -hmm. So as we mentioned in our last podcast, 
when a boy would get about 10 years old, he was thrust out of his house to find mm -hmm. food on his Scavenge, own. It was yeah. almost like, you're a man, now find food for yourself at, at 10. 10. <laughs> and sometimes even sleeping on the streets. So one beggar boy came to her house in Tangiers mm -hmm. and he knocked on her door and she brought him in. And this was really something because these children, their heads were filled with lice. Yeah. And yeah. to bring this little one into her clean, she's a nurse, yeah. her clean, yeah. sterile home is something else. But she gave him a piece of bread with treacle on it, which is molasses. Mm -hmm. And he'd never had anything like that. And she told him the story of the Good Shepherd. So he started coming every day and he brought mm -hmm. six boys and then eight boys <laughs> totally. and then 10 boys. <laughs> and then she had this All group of little boys that she was telling Bible stories to every mm -hmm. day and eating bread with treacle on it. And uh, they loved that. Well, then the mothers got concerned. So then they started mm -hmm. coming. So she had this this ministry. Well, during this time, um, some of the Muslim leaders the, at the mosque got concerned about this, what she was doing and the stories she was teaching oh, the yeah. wives yeah. and the sons. And so they put a dead cat on her doorstep as a warning and told her not to, you know, do this and, you know, told the children they couldn't come. So for a while, there was nobody coming. Then a little boy snuck back. Mm -hmm. And so she began to disciple him. But one day when he was leaving, he was caught by these mosque leaders and they beat him severely. Mm -hmm. And the next day he came back and mm -hmm. she was like, what are you doing here? And he, he said, I want Jesus. I don't mm -hmm. care. And he went and he, he pointed to his heart and then he went over and he bowed in front of a picture of Jesus and so said, "So sweet, this is what I'm going to do. So that was really exciting to her. But at the same time, she had two other things happen. The mission board was getting a little concerned because they didn't want to become unpopular. And some of her practices oh yeah. were drawing too much attention to their Christian endeavors in right. Tangiers. Right. And a man named Mohammed, and she said in her book, she says, almost every man is named either Mohammed or Hamid or <laughs> woman named Fatima. Yeah. So you had to distinguish Fatima with the freckles. Or Fatima yeah. with the large nose, or for Fatima with the bug bite. You know, I mean, they had these different names that just stayed with you right, to right. identify you because almost every other child was named Mohammed or Fatima. <laughs> so while she was there, Mohammed comes to the hospital and he's really taken with the Bible stories and the treatment he got. And he said to her, Will you come to my mountain town and will you do what you do here up in my mountain town? So she moves up to the mountains, and that was really something else. I mean, mm -hmm. because, again, there's no running water. There's, it, man. there's yeah. none of the common, common decencies that we think of. And because yeah. she boiled everything, being a nurse, they <laughs> thought she was a witch at first. <laughs> They're like, oh, she must be a witch. She, she's always boiling water yeah, and putting totally things in her cauldron. Super sketch. But this one woman, her, um, and none of the people have anything to do with her until this one woman, her child was about to, um, was dying and wouldn't nurse. So she came to Patricia St. John and Patricia St. John, you know, boiled water mm. and uh, took the woman's milk and boiled it and put it with the water because she noticed the child was dehydrated and, and boiled the spoon and began to spoon feed him um, this purified milk with purified mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. And the child recovered. And after that child recovered, she was inundated with patience and oh, yeah. love and people respecting her. And she was busy all the time.
I yeah, I remember reading like didn't she sleep on the floor and would only get like minimal sleep? Like I, I don't I just remember yeah. reading that like wow. I mean, she one time she was ministering till two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And she had gotten there at one o'clock the night before. And at three o'clock, she's like, I've got to sleep. And then they woke her up at seven because they wanted to hear more Bible stories. But at the same time, she started a ministry, this time to women, where she was teaching them to knit. So she would teach them to knit, give them cups of tea, feed them Mm -hmm. breakfast, and then it would be Bible studies. And they accepted because she was, again, outside of the major cities. So she was able to do this. Yeah, They ran out of yarn one time and she didn't know what to do. And so... One of the women who had really understood the gospel said, mm-hmm. well, why don't we pray for yarn? And she's thinking, oh, no, oh, what am I going to do? This is like Gladys Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> no. And great. so they prayed. <laughs> and a message came to her just within hours from her brother Farnham saying that this um, huge shipment of yarn had just come in from Switzerland. <laughs> and what were they going to do with all of it? So they collected the yarn and the women were able to knit. She eventually moved back to Tangiers. Um, she w- her brother was there for thirty years. Uh, she was there uh, for thirty years also, right. and they were really close. I mean, super. That super was close. one thing I remember that stood out to me was yes. her relationship with her brother. I was like, that is precious. I mean, he was like the most admired man. I mean, that was yeah. who she just. Yeah. In 1949, though, he went back to England on a furlough, and during that time, that Morocco seized all of his property, oh, the hospital, yeah. everything he owned. Now, Patricia was still there. And by this time, Patricia's mother had moved down to Mm. uh, Morocco and she was not doing well. She had dementia. Uh So the brother is in England with all of his children. He's Mm -hmm, having to start mm -hmm. a new practice. The doors to Morocco are closed. And she had to stay there till both um, her mother and then the mother-in-law she was taking care of. And they both um, died and went to be with Jesus. Mm. And then she moved back to England. But even when she moved back to England, I mean, she was writing books this entire time. The Lord opened all these doors for her to travel to one place and another and to write books. But um, toward the end of her life, and this is the last story I can tell because we're running out of time. Oh, but dear. This oh, is no. like my this is favorite okay, good. story. We'll get that part in. Okay, so she's walking to church one day with her sister. And of course, they wore hat and gloves and they're on their way to church. And she sees this gang of ruffians, as she calls them. And they begin to mock her and say, oh, are you going to have tea with the queen or are you the queen? Will you invite us to tea? So she walks over to them and she said, I will invite you to tea. I'm going to church right now, but on my way home, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you my address and I want you to come to tea. So she goes to church. She goes back. She finds them. She's written down her address. She invites them all over and says, come in two hours to tea. Her sister and herself, her sisters moved back from Lebanon, where her sister was for 30 years, ministry. They start making all sorts of uh, cakes and sweets that they can, getting the tea ready. And within two hours, these ruffians show up. And they had prayed for each one of them. And when they came in, they set to tea and they ate the sweets. And Patricia St. John began to tell them the story of Jesus and Bible story. So then it became a regular event every Sunday where these young men would come for tea and to hear the gospel. And she and her sister even bought a pool table, snooker table, to have at their house so these young men could come over anytime, hear the word of God and play snookers. So I love Patricia St. John because she was ministering her entire life. She died at the age of 74 Mm -hmm. in 1993 with this huge heritage. But, you know, because I've only been able to scrape the surface, Mm. I really want to encourage her book is available right now. Um, We have it even Mm -hmm. at uh, the chapel store here at Calvary Chapel. 
called Patricia St. John Tells Her Story. And as I said before, it's enthralling. It's a page turner. You don't want to put it down. Yes. And all these stories and all the miracles are so, oh, so exciting. It. I love it. And what a what a life just, I mean, yeah, again, like we, we keep seeing because Jesus was so real to them. Yes. You know, I mean, she didn't see those kids as intimidating or anything. She saw them as kids yes. Jesus loved. And I love that wherever she was, it was her mission field. Yes. If she, she was kind of in it, England yeah. or if she was... Um, in Rwanda, she went to Rwanda because she wrote um, a uh, book on the revival there. Um, she traveled yeah, just to, everywhere to write. <laughs> yes. And she wrote children's books, adult books, Bible study books, mm-hmm. just everything. So that was Patricia St. John. Uh, we've got more next week. I can't wait yes. to come back to you with more women you should know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter or Facebook. If you have a woman we should know about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WYSK at cccm.com. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast available now on any streaming service. Thank you again for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.